Hey everyone, this is Movies is Mirrors. Uh, it's a podcast where each week we talk about a movie chosen by our guest that reflects their experience as a part of a marginalized community. And we're hoping that through our conversations we can explore how pop culture can be a way to learn more about each other, about pressing social issues, um, hopefully so we can do better and make the world better in some way. Um, I'm Benjamin Thevenin. Hi, I'm Max Johnson. And today our guest is Teilani Laupepetele. Um, we're talking about the 1994 film Once Were Warriors. Teilani, you want to say hi? Hi, how are you guys? So uh, first I'll introduce the film Once Were Warriors. Uh, is directed by uh, Lei Tim Ori, based on the novel by Alan Duff. Um, the movie takes place in New Zealand, and it follows the challenges faced by the Heke family. The main character, Beth, is played by Rena Owen. Um, she's a strong, struggling wife and mother trying to hold her family together. And uh, a lot of things are happening to this family. One son joins a gang. Another is sent away to a group home. All the while, Beth faces uh, the vicious temper, sometimes brutal physical abuse from her husband, Jake. Um, played by Temuera Morrison, Jake's character is charismatic. He's respected. Or maybe he's just feared by his family and the group of working class Maori buddies that regularly party at the family's place in the projects. Um, but all too often, uh, Jake's charm and his seeming confidence turn to rage and violence. Other notable characters in the film include Grace, Beth and Jake's teenage daughter, played by Memer Angaroa Care Bell, and Uncle Bully, played by Cliff Curtis. Now, um, throughout the movie, the Heke family experiences a number of tragedies, many of which are the result of Jake's alcoholism, his anger, his abuse. And uh, the movie can't help but be interpreted as a commentary on issues like related to poverty, uh, substance abuse, domestic violence, sexual assault, um, experienced by lots of communities, but in particular the Maori peoples today. A thousand years ago, the Maoris discovered New Zealand. Our people once were warriors. They were people with pride, people with spirit. Today, they are strangers in that land. You too. Do you think we'll ever get out of here too? Like your pretty boy face. Angry. Lost. Been keeping bad company. Was that before after you picked him up? Once were warriors. The story of one woman's fight for freedom. I should note up front that the film, if you watch it, has some significant and pretty tragic twists. So uh, and we're going to talk about those today. So there's your spoiler alert. Um, also, the movie represents physical abuse and sexual assault, uh, sometimes pretty br brutally. And so our conversation will include a discussion of those issues and their depictions um, on screen. So there's a trigger warning as well. Now, uh, we're going to just dive into our conversation. I want to start by letting Teilani, um introduce himself a little bit and talk about his experience with the movie. Teilani, tell us about yourself. Hi. Um, so I was born and raised in Washington. Um, that being said, I do come from a background of my dad being Samoan. And um, I kind of went to live with him when I was 10. So I was very much raised in the culture. Um, and I would say, like, maybe up until my, like, like junior, senior year of high school, I was almost embarrassed, I guess, to, like, kind of, like, ever talk about my culture. It was just, like, easier to just kind of, like, be the same. But kind of near the end of it, I, I realized why my dad had enforced, like, 
such a proudness, I guess, if that makes sense, of the culture. And I kind of became more fascinated with it as I, like, entered college. Um, and, you know, I guess while growing up, he had mentioned Once We're Warriors a couple times. Uh, obviously, didn't let me watch it until later <laughs> on in life. Pretty heavy for a <laughs> yeah. younger... Yeah. Um, and... I he he that was always his favorite movie like every time if you ever ask him he's he's always like oh yeah Uncle Bully like <laughs> once we're warriors <laughs> and so um I didn't really watch it until maybe a few years ago and yeah it was a lot and like I probably didn't have the tools that I do now being a film major to like properly analyze the film but I did like feel something that I guess I can like now easily explain now that I'm a film major and I have like the tools to say so so yeah, and this movie has a lot of interesting stuff to dive into, like Benjamin was talking about, the depictions of poverty, the depictions of sexual and uh, physical violence. But as this podcast is about movies as mirrors, what I'm most interested in to start off with is how you feel this movie represents your culture. How much of your life did you see portrayed in this movie and to what degree of fidelity? Right. Um, so I should preface, um, I'm act- I'm not of Modi descent, um, but that being said, I, I guess, like, uh, what the cool thing about this podcast is to bring attention to some, like, under-representation, that being that, like, there's not a lot of Samoan things coming out. Um, like, growing up, all I had was uh, Lilo and Stitch and The Rock, <laughs> so... <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> and... Um, it's I, I would say that like we're now getting to a point where we're having a lot more representation um, but that being said like you know with my childhood I kind of had to cling to anything that was Polynesian which is a more broader term of different cultures and races um, so that being said I did see a lot of like it's interesting um, domestic abuse aside um, like the mannerisms and interactions um, with each other like all of the characters in there and also like the families they had like the humor and the I don't know, even the mannerisms were, were actually pretty accurate to, like, mm-hmm. the family that I had growing up. So. talking, like, physical mannerisms or the way they talk? The or? way, definitely the way they talk and, like, like nudge each other and, like, you know, like, whenever they'd have parties, um, that's pretty accurate. Like, you know, on the weekends, like, every Sunday we'd have, like, a kongai, which is, like, a, like a Sunday brunch, I guess, but it's usually, like, a barbecue. Like, the family and family friends would, like, come over and, like, drink and, like, you know, have, I don't know, like... Mm-hmm. Mary, make yeah. Mary, make Mary. <laughs> there you go. The uh, the one guy sitting with the guitar and everyone sings. I mean, with him or <laughs> not always, but like uh-huh. sometimes, I guess. You know, it was. I think music was also like a really important part of Samoan culture too, or and I guess Polynesian culture in general. So it was really interesting when I when I remember seeing that and they did like a musical number, like, mm-hmm. um, and like obviously they kind of used that like the more they sang later on in it the more it was like kind of like uncomfortable but the first time they did when it was just like the husband and wife doing it like that like spirit I guess so to like speak even though it kind of like led to like a dark twisted demented like ending like that was like a thing that I enjoyed a lot growing up was just like being able to hang out with my family I found that pretty interesting about the movie that there's a good mix of these like moments of like closeness and they're like clearly happy together and you know, Beth, the mother, like, says, like, that she does love her husband despite, you know, just kind of the terrible abuse that she suffers from. And that there's those there's those happy moments, like, then juxtaposed with, like, these kind of, like, terrible tragedies, you know. And so I am curious, like, when you're thinking about, you know, the whole point, right, is of the podcast is to give our guests the chance to pick kind of any movie that they see themselves reflected in. It's curious that you'd pick something, right, that even though it has these kind of moments of making merry, right, that you right. reckon, but it also has, like, kind of terrible things in it. 
And right. so I wonder, like, how you, like, are there, like, I mean, I, I would hope that you, your experiences don't, like, uh, get close to some of those experiences with the characters here. But, like, are there kind of elements of, I don't know, of that hardship that you could relate to as well? Or um, Yeah, um, I would say um, just growing up with my dad, um, there were, like, hmm, how do I put this? There's, like, some things, like, culturally, like, just as a man, I guess, in, like, someone culture that, like, you aren't, like, you know, it's just very much, like, suck it up, don't don't worry about this, don't worry about that, like, stop asking questions, things like that. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, like, rather than um, handle things with, like, words, physical um, reactions were would happen a lot, Yeah, I guess is how I will put that. Yeah, 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 no. But... <laughs> um, but um, I, like, you know, um, and it's hard because I will say that I love the, like, my Samoan culture a lot. Um, but there's, like, certain issues, right? Um, there's certain issues with, like, every culture. Um, this, I kind of can relate this to, we had a Chinese director, I can't remember her name, but she had put out um, a movie recently about um, exposing, like, the Chinese government in terms of, like, the sexual Yeah, studies. Nanfu Wang came yes. to campus, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, one of the questions that I asked her was, like, hey, like, um, how do you balance your love of your people and your culture with, like, you know, the problematic things that are happening, like, mm-hmm. in the government? And she said, you know, like, I, I don't think I've ever faltered in, like, my love of my people and my culture. And it's because I love them that there's, like, I'm not afraid to, like, bring up the issues mm-hmm. and, like, address it. And so I, I think that there's, like, always some things that people can work on within cultures. And maybe, like, sometimes uh, Polynesians tend to handle things a little bit. Uh, not as well as they could. That's that's pretty cool because I think I think I've heard uh, Ai Weiwei like the Chinese artists like talk about similarly like that he's like this kind of vocal artist activist you know that critiques the Chinese government and there's like he's like come under fire like oh that you don't like our culture like that you kind of hate your own people and stuff and he's like no 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 I love my people and that's why I feel like these criticisms are uh, necessary because I want to contribute to our people kind of like improving in some way or something right, like that. Right. And I especially liked how the movie didn't shy away from the violence or sugarcoat it or make it seem, um, I don't know, theatrical. It felt very real. Like every hit really, really lands in this movie. Yeah. The way that's filmed, there's not a lot of buildup to the violence. It just springs out of nowhere and just completely takes over the frame. And there's a lot of really heavy results. You know, in a lot of violent movies, when it gets hit, they can get back up. But here you see the the swollen pustules, the the eyeballs, the the, the blood, the... um, you, you, and you hear it, you feel it, and it's never, it never feels awesome, which right. is, uh, yeah, I think important for what the story is. That's to something say. you and I talked about earlier. That, uh, especially with the opening tile titles, like that opening sequence is like almost throws me off a little bit because it's really right. stylized right. and it feels like early. It was the nineties. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but like it feels like Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino of like the early nineties. Right. You know, like that's what I like. It kind of puts you in that like, okay, we're gonna see some stylized violence. Right. And then when the violence does come, it's just brutal. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. qu- cool about it. You yeah. know, it's just kind of terrifying. You, you definitely, like, the way that the movie presents itself at times, it almost comes off as, like, a like a Dwayne Johnson meets Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least that's, like, what I got when I first watched yeah. it. With just, like, the whole biker, like, aesthetic. But I will say, like, um, something that is, like, like you guys said, really cool is... Um, it portrays domestic violence like so accurately like one of like something you said earlier about how there are like times of happiness and then there's times of like not happiness within that relationship Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people don't understand within like 
domestic abuse situations, like, they're like, oh, well, why don't you just leave, right? And it's because, like, I think people always imagine that, like, every day you wake up and horrible things happen, like, all the time. Yeah. And, like, I think the worst cases of domestic abuse are the ones that have, like, moments of, like, reprieve. And, like, it kind of keeps you going, you know? Like, like people think, oh, like, you know, I got beat yesterday, but, like, we're now at a picnic. I'm enjoying myself with my kids and my husband, and, like, maybe things are okay. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it's just, like, a sick joke. Like, it keeps going. So. Yeah, and in that way, like, I feel like, you know, it... it uh, there's like moments, like especially at the beginning, like where Jake is like pretty charming, actually. Yep. And when he actually when he beats up that muscly guy in the in the bar, it's like kind of cool. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, that like was, that was the one kind of cool moment. Yeah, that's true. I, I and and you're like, oh, I kind of like this guy. Like he's just like confident right. and like he has the respect of all these people around him and stuff. Um, and and but and then like it shows this kind of terrible side to him. And I think something similar with Beth, where like there's moments where like you want to kind of stand up to her as this noble figure, but then also she's kind of like excusing his abuse, right? And so there's moments. So I think that the complexity of the representation is pretty cool. But I think it comes into issue when we get to the end of the movie. Um, for those who haven't seen it, the movie ends with Beth eventually getting the courage to leave her husband in a in a very brave and noble way with a really moving monologue. I was very moved by it. But as I talk to people who have had some uh, experience with domestic abuse, um, a, a common refrain who's, who, when they've seen this movie is that it feels cheap to end it this way. And I don't know if I necessarily agree, but their whole point was that for people who are trapped in it, seeing this easy way out almost, it wasn't easy for this character, but it's easier in fiction than it is in real life, um, makes it so we're able to just leave the movie feeling good about it. We saw these terrible things, but it's all neatly wrapped up, but we don't see the consequences of leaving the family, of, of leaving that. We don't see um, what happens after. It just, you know, it's kind of Hollywood in that way. See, that's, that's interesting. I actually, um, that was something I would have to disagree on, only just because when I saw the ending, um, I feel like, when I see endings like that, usually it's like drives off into the sunset, um, like you know, like dramatic. Like mm-hmm. it shows like a conclusion of oh, like I'm so, like I like say Hollywood would have directed this movie. I think they would have ended it with them driving off into the sunset, them going back to like her like home area, like yeah, smiling, taking care of her kids, looking off into the distance, end right. But it really ended on like it was a panning shot or what a uh, dolly shot rather of like the guy just like screaming into the night while like the cops were showing up and like yeah. the car drove mm-hmm. like I like I will agree after that, like, I mean the suicide of their daughter right right I and, mean like the, just to call this like a neat and tidy ending right is it, it, I don't know I don't know if I that like really and I will say it. I will say like I think maybe maybe it can like mislead people to think that like in order to like get out of said situations you need like a dramatic like monologue before you leave I guess would be like maybe the flaw but Considering it as, like, a movie, like, you do have to, like, have some dramatics to it, right? Yeah, I I would just think that if a movie... It comes down to who this movie is trying to reach, what the purpose of it is. Um, if you're trying to just help people understand what domestic abuse is, like, for myself, who's never been a part of it or um, have really witnessed it, it was really insightful to see it happen. I didn't leave feeling super terrible. But at the same time, there might be a place for that super terrible feeling of knowing these characters are still in that situation and wanting them to get out. It almost is more of a call to action 
Because when we're given this ending, even though you're right, Benjamin, it's not neat and tidy, but there still is that sense of hope. And for a lot of people, there isn't that hope um, until they change. And while it might be nice to see it modeled for somebody, I don't know if the um, if the good feeling of a of a satisfying conclusion um, is as productive as being left with that feeling of knowing that this is continuing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know. I think maybe we just feel differently. I, like I didn't come away from the movie being like feeling especially hopeful. I mean, I mean, I was glad that there was like uh, an escape for Beth and her family, but like the losses are so great. That's true. That that's like. True. Right. It's difficult to say like, oh, well, that that really wrapped this up. I'm glad that they are able to move on. I mean, like they're, they're they, you know, they're never going to get back their daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the the joy that we experience, like kind of little blips of like during the movie, like that's never going to, like the only loss is going to follow this. And I'm actually curious, like Taylor, have you ever seen the sequel to the film? There's, I haven't actually. Yeah. So the, uh, I think it's called What Becomes of the Broken Hearted, and it follows up with the same family years later when one of the younger sons um, tries to kind of avenge the death of his, of the oldest brother, Nig, um, in like, like a gang related, mm. whatever violence. And, uh, and so I get, I'd be curious to see kind of like if that movie attempts to pick up the pieces or, you know, like what right. it does with the conclusion of the film. No, I, I haven't, I haven't seen that sequel and I'll have to check it out. But I am one, I'm curious about um, one more thing, Taylani with the, uh, and re- regarding like just the representative representation of like masculinity here, mm, yeah, right. Because my exposure to movies from Polynesian cultures is pretty limited. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm thinking, but I'm thinking like there is a common characteristic in, among these movies that like when I think about Taika Waititi's Boy, or I think about Whale Rider, mm-hmm. and I think about um, this film. Even to some extent, like Moana, right. you know, like right. there seems to be these problematic male authority figures yeah. that a younger person has like this conflicted relationship with. And not to say that that couldn't be found in maybe any culture, right. but it seems to be like I, I'm curious. And then it was kind of topped off when, you know, when Ammon was pitching his uh, documentary um, uh, about like ma- kind of masculine stereotypes within different Polynesian cultures, and you were one of the s- potential subjects of the documentary, and it just made me think like, oh, I wonder, like, what's going on here? If this is like a special, uh, whatever, like, if there's a, a, a something in particular going on within Polynesian cultures regarding kind of like ways of navigating manhood right. that like that these different filmmakers, these different stories are, like, trying to figure out, trying to question, you know? So I will say, like, um, gender roles in Polynesian culture, or at least within Samoan culture, um, I got to be careful not to, like, speak on, like, every Polynesian culture, but at least with Samoan culture, um, has been complicated. Um, We actually do, like, um, at least until the missionaries kind of came and westernized things, we we used to have, like, a lot of, like, lax gender roles. Um, For example, um, the word fafafinge, it's now used to describe, like, gay people, essentially, but um, it actually used to be, like, a gender role, um, where, like, when there weren't enough, like, women in the family to take care of, like, the womanly roles, so to speak, um, like, men would usually take it on, and they would be, like, regarded as, like, like proud people that just are more feminine, like, or take on more feminine roles. And so, I don't know, I guess I'd have to do, like, a whole, like, dissertation and <laughs> research as uh-huh. to, like, when that changed, but um, I will say, like... Um, yeah, like like a lot of uh, men in Polynesian cultures take pride in their masculinity, um, maybe to a problematic extent. Um, 
and that's definitely something that can be like analyzed i i know like my dad always like wanted to instill that in me and um i don't know like especially like having like in the context of like like queerness um is really interesting too because um I've noticed with Polynesian communities, like, they're usually more supportive of LGBT communities. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's still kind of, like, we're the butt end of jokes. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, I actually haven't had, like, a long conversation with him about me being gay. So that would be a really interesting talk to have um, just within the context of, like, masculinity and how that applies. Um, But actually, like, I guess something that I kind of wanted to talk about, like, like, the reason why I like this movie so much is because some of the strongest people in my family have been women. And I really think that, like, you know, like, like as flawed as the characters are or as complex as the characters are in Once Were Warriors, like, I hated all the men, <laughs> like, uh-huh. probably to, like, the, you know, like, talents of the filmmakers. Like, I hated all the men. And, like, the Even women. Even the kids, the teenagers, like, Nig well, and Well, and here's the thing is, like, they, it, you could tell that they were almost, like, teetering towards Jake, right? Like, in yeah. terms of, like, falling into what he, and, you know, they came out of it. Maybe not the gang member guy, but, like the younger son, like, definitely, like, started, mm-hmm. like, gaining more, um, I don't know what the word is, like, grounding, I guess, in mm-hmm. himself. Um, but the women, like, they had been put through so much, they had experienced so much, and, like, by the end of it, you know, like, the the mom had come out, like, stronger, like, more in touch with her identity and who she was as a person. And, like, that's, that's like, my one of my favorite parts about the movie was, like, how strong the women were in the film. Mm-hmm. And, like, which which, like... It's interesting, too, because, like, I guess um, as, as, like, like masculine as men want to be within, like, our culture and things like that, I think women are also, like, pretty highly regarded and respected Mm -hmm. um, to some extent, at least. And, like, I've always grown up, like, respecting the women in my family. If I'm not mistaken, like, certain Polynesian cultures have, like, I mean, they trace, like, matriarchal lines and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know too much about it, but I know that, like... um, like, the Modi people do have, like, special, like, facial tattoos for certain, like, women within the tribe. Um, and I, like, with Samoans, we have, uh, oh, gosh, I'm forgetting all the words. Uh, my dad would be mad at me. But, um, <laughs> um, like, we had, like, you know, like, Samoan princesses and things like that that would have, like, some say in the matter of, like, certain um, issues within the villages and things like that. Um, yeah, like, women are have always been, like, pretty highly regarded. I think the domestic abuse, um, I would say is very unusual within the community even though like you know within like gender roles and things like that um and also within the introduction of like other like western things like Mm -hmm. within the culture um i don't know what the word is but it's like 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 with post-colonialism like where like a lot of cultures are just left to deal with all these like new things that they weren't ready for maybe at the time um i think samoa is and like New Zealand and all those like cultures are still kind of trying to figure things out. Yeah, so. it's something that the movie doesn't really comment on, but you can't help but wonder like what led for this particular family to like be living in the slums, right? right? To have this like very clear like kind of divide between Jake's background. He talks about how like he's descendant of slaves, you know, whereas right. like Beth's background is like that of royalty. And so like there's this clear division and you wonder what role like the colonization of the islands right. like had in that, you know. And I'm I'm curious because I think Beth's character is interesting because of her weakness for a lot of it, of how she just kind of lies down. I think a line she says twice in the movie, it's just a woman's lot, and she just kind right. of accepts it. And by the end, she shows a lot of strength. But I was wondering what aspects of her character or other characters in the movie that you thought were strong women um, reflected the strong women you knew in your life. So, like, for me, um, 
or at least the women specifically within my family, like they they were they've always been headstrong and like probably mm-hmm. I inherited a lot of things from them. Yeah, um, sure. And they like I would say that's the one like they're definitely different in that aspect to Beth. Like I really ne- I never noticed something like that. Like like saying this is a woman's the woman's lot would probably never be something that would come out of either of my aunts. Good. But like. So I guess I would say, like, just, like, the tail end of it and, like, her development, like, her, like, finished development as a character is kind of, like, what I would, like, see in my mm-hmm. aunts. Mm-hmm. So maybe not the beginning part of Beth. But. Well, it seems like when she says that, she's more than anything, like, coping with the kind of seem like the seeming inevitability of this like abuse right, right? you right. know and like something's i think nick says it says something similar to grace he's like oh well you know you're gonna be a wife someday and you'll you'll have to do this stu- same stuff you know you have to clean up after these same drunken parties right when you're a wife and it, it, it's like it's they are kind of simultaneously saying like yeah this is how it is but almost like as a way of kind of convincing them themselves that like mm-hmm. that what they're i don't know that it's going to be okay or something like that. Right. And I mean, like, throughout the whole movie, I just would scream, like, get out. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh. Like, um, yeah, no, I I think that's another thing. um, It's just, like, the movie speaks on it, just, like, patterns, right? And recognizing patterns and how, like, easy it is to inherit some of your family. Um, Not only, like, traditions and cultures, but, like, certain, like, I guess, problems, right? Like, Mm -hmm it was almost expected that like the daughter and the son would do the same exact thing. Like I said earlier, like the, the mannerisms like of the older brother almost seemed very close to like the dad. Right. And mm-hmm. like had, you know, they not stepped in and like changed things. I, I wonder where the older brother would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that does remind me of one thing that I did want to talk about before we ran out, we, before we ran out of time. Um, I think that the movie sets up the suicide of Gracie to be almost expected. And I, I always take issue with a lot of depictions of suicide in movies because I feel like the um, the structure of movies makes the audience want to understand the cause and effect relationship. Almost to the point where when pe- someone kills themselves, they want you to understand why they did it. But in some cases, and I think in this movie, um, it made it seem like it was the logical conclusion for her, which I think is a kind of a dangerous thing to talk about. But I'm interested to what if you guys think that's a dangerous representation of suicide or if you think that... It gets a conversation going. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a good point because I think it's like a grace. She represents like she's like kind of the single noble, like hopeful character throughout that she's, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if Beth is like kind of struggling to keep her family together, really behind her grace is like doing the groundwork, you know, where like comforting for the younger siblings and like providing them with food when, all the whatever partiers like eat all their food and things like that. And, and so I think it's really easy to think of grace as like this symbol of hope. And then when she dies, well, first when she's assaulted and then when she commits suicide, that you just see that like her, the representation of hope that, that she existed, like her character functioned as like is now gone. But that's a really great point when you think about it um, really in regards to like her as a person does that, like, does that kind of chain of events, like, I don't know, does it become a problem? I don't know, Taylor, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's, like, like every movie, there's always, like, flaws. Um, I I think that, like, you, the things that... I, well, she was almost like a catalyst in everything, right? I think if mm-hmm. you were to trace mm-hmm. it back, like, she's the reason why this happened, why this happened. And um, I guess, like, as a plot device, right, like, she, it... it 
if it were not for that situation, she wouldn't have been able. She wouldn't have reached out. The Beth wouldn't have reached out to her family back mm-hmm. home and like gotten back in touch with her culture, I guess, so to speak. Um, and so I guess yeah, that that would that would be like a pretty bad flaw of the movie is like the logical conclusion being suicide. Yeah. But I, I also think that like there is something that can be said about like the involvement of the parents, like right, like even though she committed suicide. Had Beth been there, had, like, other people been a little bit more, like, caring of the family in general, like, what would have happened, I think is more what the movie was trying to say rather than, like, if bad things happen to you, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. So. And I don't necessarily view it as a flaw of the movie. I mean, I guess I guess it is a flaw in my opinion, but I think it's just important to recognize what depictions of suicide are doing and what they're saying about the act of suicide. Because I think it's so easy to glorify or misrepresent it or... Um, in some ways, uh, encourage or justify it, which is you know something you never. Want yeah, to and do. even if I don't know if the movie does that, but it certainly now that I think about it, when Max, you bringing this up, it does kind of treat Grace's suicide as like the consequence of Beth and mm-hmm. Jake's actions, mm-hmm. rather yes. than kind of a tragedy in and of itself from Grace's perspective, and that's well, like, and and also um, the cons like the cause and effect right of the movie. Um, I I really traced it back to like. It's it's it was like a loss of identity, right? Mm-hmm. Like the which is it's kind of kind of hits you on the nose near the end of it. But like, um, I think the movie was really 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 concerned with like, you know, with the application of like Western civilization and like, um, like people kind of left to figure out how like where do we go from here? Um, I think the director, the the writer of the of the book was really concerned about like when you lose your identity, like you really can go like crazy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to relate it to, um, spirited away. Mm-hmm. Um, so to speak, uh, spirited mm-hmm. away came out when I'm not sure what oh, it was like. I can't mid two thousands. Yeah. Right. So I guess like spirited, like this is almost a precursor to spirited away. Not that like he, Hayao Miyazaki watched this film, but like spirited away was also really concerned with like, um, like losing, like loss of like Japanese identity and like all of the things that like had occurred, like, um, it was very much like an attack on capitalism and like things like that. Like they, mm-hmm. the parents literally turning into pigs, you know? Yeah. And while that was like more like fantastical, I think once Warriors took a direction of a little bit more like maybe not realism, but like, ve- like very surreal, like here's like what happens when you forget who you are. And like, maybe it was an exact, like not to miscorrelate, like if you forget who you are, you're going to be end up in an abusive family. But you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of things that like, Yep. Yeah. And you see each of the characters in their different ways, like grasping at their past, you know, like Mm -hmm. Jake referring to his uh, kind of ancestors as slaves, um, Beth to her own, like kind of uh, whatever place in kind of a royal line, Boogie, right? Like going back and like learning these Maori traditions, like, and even Nig, like, um, like, you know, when he's inducted into the gang, he gets the face tattoos, Right. right? And so there's like an element of these, this kind of like past. And then um, Grace, like, in her stories, she just keeps referring to these kind of, like, uh, these myths, right, that have been a part of their culture. And so all of them are kind of, like, reaching for those with varying levels of success, like, trying to find their identity in them. And and I think there was, like, a suggestion of, like, a good, um, like, in-between, right? Like, for example, um, when um, 
oh man i'm forgetting all the characters when the older brother looks to the younger brother and says like oh like are you gonna get like this face tattoo someday and he's like no i I carry it inside you know Uh um i think that's like that was like a really cool example of like a way to like properly like combine western culture and Mm -hmm. like your own culture Mm -hmm. i think it's possible i I think the movie was less about like trying to solve the and like the problem and more like present that it exists i think a lot of people don't even realize that like that's something that a lot of people from marginalized communities struggle with yeah. Oh, I couldn't help but think, like, oh, a, a very similar movie could be set, um, I don't know, in the Navajo Reservation or something right. like that. Right, mm-hmm. um, That there's a similar kind of, like, crisis happening as a direct result of, I don't know, colonization, right, and the stripping people of their cultures and stuff like that. Um, I do want to, before we wrap up, just ask, Taylani, like, if, is, is there lessons that we can learn as, like, media audiences and creators, like, from this film? Like, what do you feel like it does really well that, like, you would hope to see more of? You mentioned of, like, Princess Mononoke kind of continuing this tradition of talking about the loss of identity and some right. of the consequences of that. Are there other things that you want to point out that you're like, hey, this, these are things that we I hope to see more of? Right. So, um, you know, we talk about this a lot in, like, uh, the Intro to Media Arts Theory class that Kimball teaches. Um, and it's it's, like, this struggle of, like, okay, how do we properly represent a culture, right? Um, there's the one extreme where, you know, pe- there's been history of blackface, like people not even like including people from that community, like um, over exaggerating things like showing like representing stereotypes. There's the other end of it where you present the race as like this perfect like sect of human beings where there's nothing wrong, like they can do no wrong. And then there's something that I think the Once Were Warriors um at, le- at the very least tries to do I think successfully does is like just show like normal like real people complex human beings and I think that like if there's something that can be said about like representing any like marginalized community it's to like respect the fact that like we are all human beings and we all make mistakes and like I really like that how flawed all the characters were because I would never want for once say that like like all Polynesians are perfect you know mm-hmm. but I think that in like representing like people as people that make mistakes and are complex, like, that people will maybe be able to, like, maybe identify with the characters more and realize that, like, we're not that different. That's great. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Taylani, for coming on today. Um, this is a really great movie. I'm glad that we had a chance to watch it. Um, catch us next week with our next um, episode of the podcast where we're talking to Kimball Jensen about Flower Drum Song. It's a musical comedy from the 1960s with a pretty cringy portrayal of um, <laughs> Asian people. But um, in Kimball's experience, it was one of the only representations of Asians she could find. So she has a lot to say about it, and we're excited to watch it and share our thoughts about it. And then you can catch um, Taylani. He's, uh, I don't know, how would you describe yourself? Uh, a musician, artist, yeah, Taylani? Yeah, like an R&B, neo-soul artist. Where- where can we find your music, Taylani? Um, so I'm just on Spotify or like all streaming services as Taylani. That's T E I L A N I. So yeah, listen to it on there. All right, check them out. Uh, we'd like to thank Aiden Bay for our musical intro, and we'll uh, play you out with a clip from some of Taylani's new music. So stuck on you, don't know what to do. So stuck on you, don't know. to play me i'm a broken guitar strum the bass line honey how reality can know me down but i'm still on your high it's okay